Hello, I'm Robert Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Chuva Center. Thank you for joining us. Uh, ben Lichman is joining us again uh, today, Hello. right from the right, so like blast from the past, just right from the beginning. I, I mean, Ben works for me still, but like, <laughs> but <laughs> but we haven't had a podcast together in uh, I don't know, probably like um, well, 40, let's e- 40 episodes or so. This is episode 43, right? So and I think I was episode two. Uh yeah, something like that. It's amazing. It really is. Um and in that sense it's really nice because we uh we we've we've grown and right so like I sort of we have listeners all over the world, so like right, so like hello Helsinki, hello Japan, hello the UK, Lithuania, Israel, uh of course the US. We have people from really all over the world, which is really nice. So we've grown quite a quite a quite a bit since since episode two. And uh so we're very they're here to hear you, brother. Uh I think they hear to everyone, but like I I I appreciate the listenership. So thank you for everybody for tuning in. It's really nice. Um, So I want to start, I guess, with a poem. (coughs) Excuse me. I want to start with a poem that we use uh, quite often in some of our teachings um, at the Chuba Center. It's by Mary Oliver. And it goes like this. I tell you this, to break your heart, by which I mean only that it breaks open and never close again. Oh, I fucked it up. Sorry. That's all right. I tell you this, to break your heart, by which I mean only that it break open and never close again to the rest of the world. So, so are you about to say something? No. Oh, um, so I I often use this poem. We often sort of teach this poem at the beginning of a lot of sort of our workshops, um, mostly the ones that deal with sort of crisis and sort of helping people in crisis and helping helping those who help people in, cri- in crisis, right? Yeah. Um, right? Who sanitizes the sanitizer? This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the way I sort of look at it. Um, because I... I believe, and this is kind of the theme of the week, that this idea of um, a broken heart, um, a kind of loss, is um, is not only essential, of course, to the human condition, but that we try and shy that we try and shy away from it, mm. and uh, and with that is sort of what what I want to talk about, which is sort of the, this. Um, uneasiness around death, uneasiness around grave sites, uneasiness around the moments that really push us to look beyond the veil. And the reason we're saying this is because, of course, we're having pop-up Shabbat uh, right today, 7 o'clock. So if right. you uh, if you hear this and you like this, you know, please join us. It's on our website. It's free, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And our pop-up Shabbat this week um, is about sort of mischiefs and masks 
and celebrating um, a couple of different things. One, of course, Shabbat. The other one is Halloween that's happening uh, this weekend, uh, Old Hallows Eve, um, and also the Day of the Dead, the Mexican, uh, Latin world, if you will, um, Day of the Dead, which they look at death very differently than, than many of us. And uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like my perspective on death now sitting here with you. I'm actually, um, as we speak today, I'm celebrating four years of sobriety today. Happy birthday to you. Thank thank you. And, um, the way my life went and the, and the proximity that death had around me from a young age almost seemed as if it was preparing me for what eventually would be my life's work, right? Like what we're doing today and the, and the population that we deal with. And the fact that people we deal with, this literally is a life or death matter, right? Like you can be talking to somebody, you know, trying to help them find their way, find their footing. And the next thing you know, they're gone. Right. And it's really just like one bad decision for for people like us and and it's over, right? Um, it started when I was really young. It, 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 it's almost like my neighborhood and my group of friends, we felt cursed because we lost so many people at young ages from so, for so many different reasons, uh, you know, from people killing themselves to people being murdered to just crazy accidents to one of our good friends just literally left the block, went up to play basketball. His heart, he had an enlarged heart. He just died on the court. And we were just like, what the fuck is going on? Like why in this, our little, our little neighborhood, our little group of friends, we are just losing so many people. And and we, even our, all of the older people in our lives, our parents and our mentors and our guides, they were like, this is crazy. Like you kids, should not be having to go through this. Like this is not a normal experience for most people. They don't lose this amount of people at such a young age. Um, and then of course, as I grew up and I, I fell into, you know, uh, using heavier drugs and hanging with that kind of crowd. Like I just saw death around me all the time and like found friends dead. OD, you know, I almost died. Like, going to places where people were living dead. You know what I mean? Like just strung out living in this like alternate reality of just like somewhere between, right? Like really kind of walking that tightrope between like the living and the dead. Um, And at times it kind of, it almost has made me have this like, numb reaction to death now which concerns me at times because i want to be able to feel it right i want to be able to really lean into those emotions surrounding the loss of somebody that i care about and that i love and it's almost like because of my experience from such a young age that when i'm confronted with death it's not even it's not even like i'm just like pushing it away and suppressing the emotion. It's just like, I see it and I, I feel it head on. And I'm just like, 
I just, I, I feel like a stone wall sometimes, you know, it's like, I just want to be able to cry and I can't. Um, and it's, it's something that for the work that we do, um, is also, you need, it's, it's a reality that you have to face, right? That, um, unfortunately people aren't going to get this and they're going to lose their life to it. And we can't wear that, right? We can't wear that as, as us trying to stand here as beacons of hope and say, listen, there is hope. There is a, there is a life that you can find beyond your wildest dreams. And we're here to show you how to get there. And if people don't find it and don't get it and end up dying because of it, you and I and everyone else that works with us can't, sit and blame ourselves right right <clears throat> understand that we are doing the best we're still human at right. the day right so yeah man it's 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 come on you fucking i told you not to call me you damn telemarketers hang on let me put this on um what did i say what was the last thing <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. We can't wear this. Right? We can't hold the responsibility of uh, other people's decisions. Right. It's true that um, people in our uh, profession and people in our in, in the work that we do, right, the sort of that, um, unfortunately, death is uh just part of doing business that is right so that's sort of the, right we have so many people around us who die and and uh and people who are sort of out right on the run right as 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 we say for people who don't know what it means that they're using somewhere or they're not ready for recovery or anything right and and i'm sure like i'm sure you like me right i have this sort of constant running list in my head of the people that i'm just waiting for the call to come in yeah that unfortunately they've od'd or something else right yeah. um and this desensitizing of it, right, is is um, is part of what I'm talking about because I, I one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, sort of, right, on Friday and and sort of this time of the year, where we don't just sort of mourn, but that we sort of sit and, if you will, sort of like sit and eat and celebrate and invite the dead in. That is, right, sort of, uh, I was talking on the IG Live this week, where people should check out, right, that um, when I was living in L.A., one of my favorite things to do, and in general, right, is sort of, there's a great cemetery called, uh, right, Hollywood Forever, where there's a lot of celebrities and, and people, and it's kind of uh, smack in the middle of the city, and it's just these big lawns and walls and mausoleums and stuff, and there used to be a party on Halloween every every sort of Halloween a party there like one of the biggest parties for Halloween and in the summer they uh, put uh, they project movies on one of the big walls in the mausoleum and you can sort of sit there and have a picnic and there's like concessions and mm-hmm. and there's something so um, full of life in this celebration of of those who are uh, uh, sort of lying there. 
Mm. And it's very different than a lot of sort of this sort of these death practices that sort of that I grew up with, which is sort of like this enormous reverence and this enormous sort of like distance and 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 the impurity of the dead sort of like this part of jewish life and sort of like you go and you put a stone or a thing like right yeah. it's not something it's not a place where you sort of celebrate right it's sort of totally. um, yes and and i think that i sort of am more drawn to to the way that we look at it now the way i look at it now which is sort of right death is but a door Right. And and I believe strongly, and I've said it before, right? The, what has lived will always be alive. <laughs> that is, that I don't, yes, there is a, a moment, of course, sort of that things people go away, right? So they, they, they are no longer in the physical presence with us, but they still live in many ways. And not just in sort of this cliche where they live in our hearts. Yeah, 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 of course. But like, but I'm talking about, right? No, they, who they right who they are what they do they live they they they're evoked constantly um and um and yes there's also sort of kind of the spiritualist moment of these right sort of there's you know and and i think that's a different episode right talking about right. spirits and ghosts and all that but right um no and also what uh, talking about here you know at least touching on it and it is. It is true. It's like I remember I went to Hollywood Cemetery, and again, right, my life experience was: you go into the cemetery, you're dressed in black, you're right. very quiet, right? Like, don't walk over other people's graves. Like, stay on the road and go to the grave you're looking for. Pick up a stone and put it there, and it's very somber. Then I remember my buddy was like, "Hey, like, <clears throat> I think Joey Ramone is buried in." Uh, <clears throat> Hollywood Cemetery. And he's like, yeah, it's Joey Ramone's birthday and they're playing this movie Freaks. Right. Putting it up on the mausoleum. Like, let's go. Like, let's get some weed and, you know, get some beers and let's go watch this film and celebrate Joey Ramone's birthday. We're like, okay. Like, I think Marky Ramone was there. There was like a stage. There yeah, was- yeah, yeah, exactly. And we just went and fucking partied down in the cemetery. We're like, probably close to a thousand people. And uh, I was just like, this is so cool. And I was like, and for anybody who like makes the choice to bury a loved one in this graveyard, right, understands like people are going to be partying with your loved one, right, mm-hmm. that is now buried under the ground. And, and it's just like, that's the way to fucking do it. That's the right. way to do it. Um, and I really believe that. I, I mean, I grew up in a house. I grew up in an old, you know, I, I grew up here in Jersey. All of our homes are very old. Like, my parents' house was built late, uh, you know, 1800s. So a lot of history in there. And I definitely had mad experiences with spirits and, like, energy within my parents' house. Um, so I really believe that there's, like, a way to sense, um, you know, the other realm of existence like, i don't say that it's like you know you don't for me I, I don't believe you just die and then that's it you go up through the clouds and right there's hashem like sitting on a throne you know waiting to let you in it's like <laughs> it's just a thin veil right between right. us and this other reality and your spirit continues right your energy just is absorbed back into the cacophony of insanity that we live in 
Um, and I believe, I believe one of my best friends, uh, who's my boy, Phil, this Haitian cat, we grew up together. We loved each other. We were like really brothers. Um, he died when we were 18 and I swear to God, I'm sitting here today because he is my guardian angel. Like he, I have been through some shit. I've lived through some things that I've been looked at and told, like, you should be dead right now. I don't know why you're still alive. Like you're and this is multiple times I've been told this. And I really believe Phil, like he protects me and guides me through this life. And he's like, no, dude, like you are going to survive and find the way, right? Right. Get the experience that I wasn't able to get dying at 18 years old. Um, it's just, I don't know. I love that shit, man. I love knowing that, you know, we're not, we, we, we exist in this plane of reality and we, you know, can fall into that belief that it's what we see is what we get. Right. And the truth is, is that there's so much more happening around us that we are just not aware of, right. Or unwilling to pay attention to. I mean, that's a very, excuse me. That's a very um, important point, I think, that sort of, uh, of course, as it relates to a lot of the work that we do, is that um, looking at this this issue of um, how do we look at the world, right? Do we, do we accept the reality of everything just the way it is, right? Are we vain enough to think that just because that's how I see and hear, that's what it is, then there's nothing more? That because I don't experience something else, that there's nothing more, mm-hmm. right? This sort, of, this sort of almost self-centered sort of hubris point of view of like, <laughs> really? You think that you are the arbiter of mm-hmm. everything that's existing in the world? Um so right, so that sort of that part, which is which is very interesting, right? Because of course we we are constantly saying no, right? You're not the uh, uh, this terminally unique creature, right? So that you decide what is true or not. And when you open yourself up to sort of other things, other ideas, other thoughts, um, you get to see some magic um, otherwise, right? And and I agree with you that sort of that. Well, I don't know what goes on once we die. Um, I do think that sort of that there is, um, even if it's not your entire presence, there's some uh, residue, there's some right sort of legacy, if you will, of your energy, um, and that can sort of linger for a while. That can be part of the existence and and what we feel and what we see and all that. And 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 for me, opening up to spirituality is opening up to all the different aspects of spirituality, right? So so in that sense, yes, if I sit at the grave and I create a meal and I make the person alive again because I've created a space for them to live again, um, that allows me to accept the different elements and different parts of life. And one of them is death, right? And and in that sense, right, the, the door of it is or is not really a door as much as it is a threshold or, or as we say, a veil, right? Some kind of curtain that sure. we can pierce through. And the curtain um, gets thinner and thicker, right? And it's the thinnest um, about now, right? About the, the end of October, right? And, right. and right? Right. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It's funny because 
right? What's the what? What is like the one innate fear that a human has at birth? The second you're born, what yeah. are you fucking worried about every day? Well, dying, really. Yes. And what is going to happen to you beyond that? Humans for our entire time here on this planet have been trying to explain what happens, right, once we die. Right. People have been trying to find the answer, right? There are wars fought over it. Literally, we fight wars because it's like, no, we die this way, and the way you think we die is wrong. So That's right. That's the basis of all religion, right, is the answer to the death question. Right. right? Christians, we're going to die, so we got to believe Jesus. We got to, you know, give our life over to Jesus. And and in turn, we will be gifted life in heaven, right? Muslims, you give your life over a lot, right? And, And then in turn, you are gifted eternal life in heaven, right? Jews, you give your life over. And many, many raisins or virgins, depends on how you read the Quran. However it goes, and that's, a, right? So each each religion, right? The Abrahamic religions, right? We all are believing in this same overarching God, but it's kind of a different way of getting to that end piece. And so it's funny that as humans, we are so concerned with what we can't answer rather than trying to focus on the things that, can be answered right and making the day and the moment and the experience that we're having right now fulfilling right mm-hmm. not for any other reason other than to share experience and love and kindness and compassion in the moment like i'm not spirituality is the difference is that a spiritual person is not behaving in that way so that they are rewarded in the end with some type of gift when they fucking die like I don't know what's going to happen to me. You don't know what's going to happen to you, right? Right. And it's the death of ego when you can give yourself over and say, I don't know who, what is God, right? Or who, what is beyond this life, right? And that my actions are not contingent on what kind of gift I'm getting after I die, but rather the gifts that I can experience with my fellow humans right now today. Right. So, so right. So, with that, right, you are a, um, I would say, fairly dark person in many ways. But you're very upbeat, yeah. now. but like, right, you, you like me, are, is drawn to the fringes, right? So, yeah. like, right. Um, so, what is in that that sort of fascinates you? Sort of why? I think, I think it started. So when I was very young, right, I always, my favorite, my, my father had a record player in the living room. I mean, a bunch of classical records. And so we had all the major composers, right? We had Chopin, we had Mozart, we had Tchaikovsky, we, right? Everyone was there, right? right? And then I found this, and I'm talking, I'm seven, eight years old. And then I found Beethoven, right? And I put Beethoven on the record player and I was like, this dude is fucking dark, man. And I didn't know his backstory. I was just like, he's pissed about something. I'm not sure why. (laughs) And I'm just listening. And I used to wake up early and I would take the phone book, right? The big, thick yellow pages, put it on the floor. I grabbed two chopsticks from the kitchen 
I'd put the fucking Beethoven record on and I would be like furiously conducting this orchestra, right? My dad come down like, what the fuck are you, right? It's like, like 30 a.m. when I'm conducting, right? Like the Eroica symphony or whatever. <laughs> and um, so just by nature, I was attracted to that. I didn't know why when I was that old, what about Beethoven's um, just, you could tell he was upset and, and frustrated. And then as I got older, you know, I find out he had all these ailments, you know, his best work was written when he was like almost fully deaf. Right. And then every composer beyond that, I would find their darkest work. Like I, you know, Mozart, he was, such a fucking genius that it was just like, oh, fluffy, light, like, oh, I'm just so happy I can write anything I fucking want to write at any time. And then, right, it turns out at the end of his life, he writes Requiem, and it's like this dark, like, fucking crazy, huge thing, and you're like, whoa, and he dies in the middle of writing it, right? Someone else has to finish it, and it's just like, this is the stuff that really resonated with me and i think as i as i grew through kind of being attracted to darker art darker music um and then i saw that it bothered people and it made people uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) then i really was like i'm on to something now like not only do i love this but it like clearly makes other people uncomfortable so i was like let me see how deep I can go with this, right? And how far I could kind of push the envelope. Um, and that was just always like in me. That was like, it was innate in my character that like <laughs> disturbing people was uh, entertainment for me. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, but I really now, uh, you know, as I've aged and I've grown and I, I you know, I'm 30. I don't even know how old I am. I think I'm 36. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in my 30s. I'm not sure exactly. Somewhere in right. mid-30s. Um, you know, I still really don't know anything, and I still don't know shit, but uh, I do know that there is a certain beauty to the darkness. There is a certain honesty to it, right? It's not trying to be something else. It just... It's raw, it's wide open, it's exposed, it's vulnerable. And I think that as I've come into sobriety and learned about myself, I I see that that is me, right? Like I'm very much a vulnerable person. Oh, sorry, my Slack just clicked. Um, As I come into myself, I I see that I'm very much a vulnerable person. And I've always been like an exposed nerve. Right. Like I act like it doesn't bother me. I'm very like, just let it roll off, you know, my shoulder, easy going. But the truth is, is that words hurt me. Right. And actions hurt me. And I destroyed myself for a long time because of that. Um, so I, I, I can I find comfort in the darkness. It's funny. It's funny you say that because I think that there's something that most people um fear in the darkness but because they i think it does like you said it reminds them of 
the vulnerability of the death of the despair of the pain of the mutilation right so like this sort of that that sort of this idea of pain and loss right so like it's something that people just i rather not think about it i rather think about you know sort of peaches and unicorns and, and stuff right mm-hmm. but i think that you're right and in that sense sort of like i i i'm the same way this sort of the the honesty of the darkness is that it's not veneered, right? This is, this is the one truth. The one truth is all things will die, right? The one truth is sort of that we, we too perish from the day we start to, to live. In fact, it, right. And in that sense that, um, mortality is caused by our birth, right? It is caused by our existence. Exactly. We right. trigger it. Right. Um, and, um, and by by not it being veneered, the dark, right, sort of the 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 more macabre, um, makes me more honest because it reminds me this sort of that I only have today, that mm-hmm. I only have this moment, right, and I need to make good on this moment, right. It reminds me that sort of that I uh, I need to think about what I'm saying and doing because the only legacy will be that I can't take anything to the grave with me. Um, and I think that there's a certain, um, uh, wholeness when we, when I'm able to, to bring that in, right? Without it, I'm just negating or I'm ignoring a whole part of life that is, um, what I think a lot of people just don't want to, right? And, and therefore lead a rather one-sided existence. Um, yeah. And for them, and I think one of the beauties in that sense for them comes, right, so like Day of the Dead and, uh, uh, right, and Halloween, because it says like, okay, like, okay, give, give me a day, give me a night, right? Yeah. Give, me, give me one place where, right, where you can sort of like be in that space so that you can acknowledge the wholeness in your life. And, and, and for me, I love that because not everybody wants to be in the dark uh, or live with the dark or the macabre or the you know the the weird mm-hmm. right sort of all the all year long but for them they're like okay you you, you gotta give me a day <laughs> right yeah it's it's a fine line right to be to enjoy the dark and and live in the dark and appreciate it but not but not allow it to destroy you right, right. so like it's a, it's a perspective shift. Like how you just said, like you enjoy it because you see that we are unsure of what's coming. And so that we make this moment count. Whereas if you flip that on its head, kind of how I lived for a long time was it's like life is shit. I don't give a fuck. Everything is black. Like I'm going to tear it down. I'm not going to live in this moment. I'm trying to speed myself up to that ending. Right? Like I just want it to end. And so it was, there was no gratitude in that behavior. Um, And so I was 100% in the dark. And I think that how you just, how you just um, kind of put it was that as we always talk at Chuva Center, right? This is a, it is a binary kind of life that we live in, right? In that we are light and dark simultaneously, right? We are good and bad, right? We are left and right. Um, we are straight and gay all at once. It's like this, it's this twisting of 
understanding of our human experience. And so now that I'm able to see that there are, there are pieces of the darkness that resonated with me when I was that seven-year-old in the living room listening to Beethoven, right? And the comforting parts of it and the beauty, right? And the, and the awe and um, the, uh, the not knowing. That's kind of what always excites me is the not knowing, right? I like kind of going into things blind a little bit, right? But with my, my heart open, right? And willing to experience something new. And I think that's what the beauty of dark has for me now is that I can still use it and tap into it, but for good, right? And to remind myself that nothing is fucking promised. I don't know what's coming down the pipe for me. I don't know what even this afternoon can happen. So in this moment, I have this chance, right, to tap into everything that this world has to offer me. And I just am a dark-leaning individual. Not, And that's not saying that if you are a light-leaning person that you're missing something that I see, right? Maybe I'm missing something that they're seeing, right? Um, and there's so much that I can learn from someone who kind of strays away from darkness, right? right. And kind of want to lean more into, you know, the happier sides of right. life. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like each person has, has his own uh, his own bent in that sense, right? And, and yeah. I think that's, again, part of what we do at the work of the Shubha Center, right? Sort of that the only way I can see what I'm missing and you can see what you're missing is by connection, by our ability to sort of see each other. Okay. But if it was just me, right? you know, curled up in some, you know, in some dark room sort of, right? So like listening to Beethoven, right? Yeah. Then I will not, then I will isolate myself and feel I'm not connected. One of the beauty parts about death and the human condition is that stamp of the human condition, that we are all connected, mm-hmm. right? That we are all sort of um, this sort of uh, boiled down to this one image, right? So, so right, I, I am have been semi-obsessed well, actually let's be honest I'm, I'm completely obsessed with uh with skulls right so like i have them all over my house right i have a couple tattooed on me right? instead of like five sort of like um uh yeah we both have we both have skulls right so right so and it's funny like i remember when i was uh very young for some reason i uh i end i find myself in the catacombs of paris Mm. Right, um, and and if those of you people who've been know what I'm talking about, but those of not sort of these under Paris, there's sort of these catacombs, these sort of burial sites, and they are these palaces of like skull and bones. I mean, really built with human skulls and bones, like uh, throughout the centuries. Right, Paris is very old, and um, and I remember thinking, um, and that has stuck with me with those skulls is that when you strip down everything, right? So like color, creed, orientation, whatever it is, Jew, not Jew, right? What, like any way around, right? Um, it looks exactly the same, right? That, that sense of, of um, the essence of humanity, right? Is sort of encapsulated in that skull, um, and yes, if you are, you know, if you are an expert, you can tell if it's a man or a woman or whatever. But like, but fundamentally, it's sort of this sort of uh, the logo of mankind is a skull, right? The distillation of humanity is this skull, 
which survives so many, 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 many centuries, right? While being this porous material in the ground where we believe we came from, right? So throughout tradition, it survived thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, perhaps even more, right? Um, and in that, looking at that, I'm reminded of humanity rather than the end of all things. Right. And in that sense, it's a cemetery, right? Going back to the cemetery, going back to the Day of the Dead, going back to Pop-Up Shabbat and Halloween, right? Celebrating that, that we are the same, that we are connected, that we are stamped with this mortality is, is the most honorable thing I can do, right? I think it's the most honorable tribute I can do for those who have passed away, those who will pass away, right? And those not yet born to, to sit with, with all that, to sit with the dead, to invite them in. Mm-hmm. Because like they, they have the answer to the ultimate question. That's right. We right? just we just can't hear it for some reason. Yeah, well, no, we can't. And that, but that's the fun part. We're we're all like just running through this life, really, with no fucking idea, right? None of us know exactly what the fuck we're doing. Right. We're just trying to do it the best we can. Um, and I think that that's like what fascinates me about seeing skulls, right? And and um, this is totally well. This isn't off topic, but it just popped into my mind. Like one of like my dream job, if I wasn't doing this, and no offense to anyone, I don't ever want to be a cop, but I do want to be a homicide detective um, because I feel. Like that is the ultimate way to honor, right? Uh, uh, somebody that has found the answer to the ultimate question, just in a very untimely and gruesome way. And I think that people should be punished for for hurting people on that level because it's not your fucking, it's not your right to end someone's life before it's meant to be, right? Or maybe I mean, and again, that's like kind of. That's kind of enters that realm of, well, maybe that was the plan, right? Like maybe I was supposed to be dismembered and thrown into, you know, um, a bin full of acid and, you know, melt into goo and found. That's but- very specific, babe. I think we're getting to be very specific. <laughs> but um, I don't, I just like, there's something about homicide and the work that, surrounds it that is so fascinating to me. I love Detective Joe Kenda out there in Colorado Springs. If you hear me, Joe, love you, man. Love your work. But, um, you know, that's that's it, right? And you go into the graveyard, right? And you go into the Hollywood graveyard and you party and you're surrounded by all these people who have the fucking answer. And it's like, can you just give me a glimpse? Like, I just want to know what's coming, right? What's next? on this journey, right? Because it's no way that we live for this little blip of time, right? It's a little blip. And then it's over. And then is it just silence? Is it just black, right? Is it just nothing? Like, do we just... And that's what I love about the Israelis, right? Is that they put you in the ground, naked, just in the dirt. And you feed the earth, right? 
because your body is food at that point. Other than that, it's 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 well, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I mean, right? We right. came from dust to yeah. where you came from, right? And and um, but what but what they understand is that the spirit it carries on, right? And right. where it goes, how it experiences whatever is you know the afterlife. Um, it's it's amazing to think about, and I think that that for people like you and I and others that kind of vibe with these ideas is that it's, it's all inspiring and it, it makes me want to live a fuller life. Not because I'm afraid of what's coming when it ends, but the, the uncertainty of what's happening right now. And right. the fact that I really have no fucking clue where and how I stand in this universe. Right. And what, the impacts of my life make, right? Like the waves that come off of my energy, who it touches and how it may change someone else's life for the better. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but that's part of the answer, I think, right? Because right, one of my other obsessions, of course, is Talmud and teaching Talmud and things. And, and, right, and I've always felt that, right, sort of that... Um, um, the the immortality of each individual that's named in Tamil, when I study them, when I evoke their name, mm-hmm. when I hear their ideas, right? The ripples of those, right? Those are people whose ripples I'm still feeling 2,500 years later, exactly. right? And and that for me is, is not just life, but that for me is, right? Like I said, sort of the, the thing that has lived once will always live, right? They are perhaps physically dead, but they are by no means really dead. When right. I studied their name, when I studied their words, when I studied their stories, right? I, I not just sort of like get to see them live again and evoke their life again, but I get to honor their, both their life and their death. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I can only, uh, I can only pray and wish that sort of things that I say and do today will be still remembered and studied 2,500 years from now. Yeah. Right? That that will be, right, sort of, that's immortality. The right. immortality of the body seemed so, seems so uh, uh, um, trite, right? Seems so silly, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it's, it is, um, it is just a shell. Right, I know it's just a shell, and quite frankly, if I like, right, if I could choose my shell, can I ever? I'd like a taller shell. <laughs> like, right? It would be nice to have a taller like, shell. What's up with this shell? Exactly, the shell. It's a nice shell, right? I don't, I don't mind it, right? So, like, I'm, 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 I'm okay with my shell, but just like you know, uh, just a little I mean, bit I'm taller. Cool with my, like my shell, like my ears are falling apart, my neck is fucked up. Like, what kind of shell is this? Shell? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, um, I get a, this one's defective. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'd like a, I'd like just a taller, slenderer shell. The rest is totally fine, but like, you know, <laughs> I'm happy with the rest. Um, <laughs> no, but, but right. When, when people talk through the pages, mm. when people talk through the stone, when people talk through the music, when people talk through the, right, through the ideas, through the poetry, through the, uh, through the art, Right through the visual, when when people talk, they well, I mean, and you'll respond to that, like right? They just won't shut up. Right. <laughs> they just keep talking all, right. all the time, right? 
Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a great um, there's a great saying in Talmud that when you quote somebody who's dead, their lips in the tomb are moving. Right, yeah. the sort of that that right that sort of even in the tomb, their their lips are moving as you sort of talk, right? Which, right. Uh, which I'm sure for uh, for your wife Chloe, they'll be like, what, what? Even <laughs> death won't <laughs> shut them up? No, 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 I can't. Like, no, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> Please tell me at least death will be the answer to the question: is when it's going to be quiet? <laughs> you know. It- <laughs> Even sleep doesn't shut me up. No, I, right. For everybody who like writes, like writes, like we went on a conference once and we shared a room. And Ben writes, who I love very, very much, writes like just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, <laughs> right? Um, and then, right, it's nighttime. Okay, good night. Whatever, good night. And the boy talks in his sleep, <laughs> like full on conversations. I'm waking up and he's like. Uh, no, I prefer the chicken. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And do you ever fucking shut up, man? No, the answer is no. No. So apparently even in death. That's right. Even in death. Yeah. No, it's like, (laughs) that's so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, that's the way that we hear, right? Right. our elders and our is through their words and through the poetry and through the scripture and, through the music. And I also think like we're just sitting here talking about, you know, Talmud and Judaism. It's the, the, what's the best way to put it? Like the, the ceremony of suffering is very strong with the Jews, right? right? Like we, it, it reverberates through our, our, our style, right. And through our tradition. And I mean, I think one of my favorite things about, going to act to temple right i really dislike going to temple but when i do go um i love the music i love the music because jews have so much pain in our story there's so much suffering through the generations right all the way back to biblical times and you hear it and you feel it in the way that when the cantor is singing and it's like this moaning and crying and and the music is it's really dark i mean the right. music he's is just dark. moaning because like he ate something yeah, it's just not very like, well it's like oh i should not have that extra locks we also complained and connect a lot <laughs> like oh that connection was not great yeah hard to distinguish <laughs> singing or they're just complaining I'm not right sure. are you complaining is it like you know it's like stomach ache like what, what exactly is it yeah yeah is your talus? Is the wool exactly like oh, it's scratching me? Like, uh, man. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful song. No, right. but, uh, he's like, oh, you're feeling it. You're really, he's really feeling it. He's like, oh no, these yeah. shoes are so uncomfortable. Oh my gout. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> by the way, I was like, uh, uh, if by some chance, which I don't wish, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm older than you. But like, if by somehow, like, you die before me. Yes. Swear to God that I'm like composing all the things you've ever said on a podcast or whatever, and I'm putting a, a, a speaker on your gravesite. Oh, they will just twenty four seven. We'll just talk, like talk and talk and talk and talk oh, and talk. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Do it. Yeah. It's funny because now that I'm older, I actually I speak less now, and I'm still talking. What? A lot. Yeah, I know. When? When do you speak I, less? I know talking to me too. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to speak. Not. <laughs> I don't believe it. 
even more, even fucking more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, space is the place, man. The darkness is where it's at. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, and that was like where I found community. Like you mentioned earlier, right? Like right. that's when I was young, uh, I was, trying to find i was able i was kind of a chameleon right like i could hang with all different types and different groups and like but i never really felt like i was a part of and really when i found like the punk community in new york and in jersey and just like met all these kind of like wayward souls that were just you know essentially just misfits and like were kind of just like beat to their own drummer and I really vibed with that. And I was just like, holy shit, like we can be whoever we want to be. Like we don't have to kind right. of fall into these societal norms, right? And right. like all these expectations that people have of us. And so I really leaned into that for a long time. Um, and that's where I found community. And then, you know, when I found you and Bet Shuva and, and this community, right? And I was trying to like get my life together. And I was like, well, how is there a place where I can like still harness that, but in the right way, right? Yeah. And harness it in a positive way. And like, I think that's what we're building and creating. Right. Like, be a fucking misfit, be fucked up. Like, right. be as dark as you want, be as happy as you want. Like, right. but just be you. Right. And that's how you end up with a pop-up Shabbat with a Black Sabbath. That's player. it. That's <laughs> how we end up with pop-up with Iggy. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to spoil anything. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe some pearls. Maybe lipstick. We don't know. Maybe six-inch heels. Nobody knows. But this is us. Iggy's being him, right? right. I'm being me. Like, I don't want Iggy to be anything that he fucking is. It. He doesn't right. want me. And anybody who comes into our community, like we always say, don't try to fit in. You already belong. We love you. We want you here. Right. Uh, so, yeah, man. It's funny, I, you know, I, I, because I, uh, you do talk about space because I wanted to end up with one sort of last sort of quotation by a yeah. uh, sort of a person who I admire a lot, right? So who wrote a lot, uh, Parker Palmer, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he writes in A Hidden Wholeness, he writes, he writes, in this culture, we know how to create spaces that invite the intellect to show up, to argue its case, to make its point. We know how to create spaces that invite the emotions to show up, to express yeah. anger or joy. We know how to create spaces that invite the will to show up, to consolidate effort and energy around a common task. And we surely know how to create a space that invites the ego to show up, preening itself and claiming its turf. But we seem to know very little about creating spaces that invite the soul to show up. Mm. This core of ourselves, our selfhood. And in that sense, you said, as, as you were talking about space, excuse me, as you were talking about space, right? Not only do I, right, want to create that space through the Truva Center and the work that we do um, for the soul to show up, but to, really demand the soul to show up. And I think the soul to show up happens uh, on a daily basis when we sort of bring ourselves and all of ourselves, like you just said. But also on this particular Friday, um, 
I want all the other souls to show up, right? I want them to sort of to come and grace us and touch us and kiss us, and right? Um, one of my favorite traditions in Jewish life is that when we get married, uh, the chuppah is open, right? It's just a canopy and it's an open uh, space. And one of the reasons is that we believe that all our ancestors come and mm-hmm. join us in the moment of the union, the moment we create something new. And, and in that sense, uh, for Pop-Up and for Day of the Dead and for Halloween and, and all these moments that I want the soul to show up of ourselves, but I want it to be supported by all the other souls to mm-hmm. show up uh, yeah. and be part of this, right? And, and we, uh, we do that, um, which I think is very um, inviting for, for everybody to be, to be themselves. I think the, the last thing I want to say is that um, we, we wear masks on Halloween as we do in Purim, right? We sort of, and then many people think that they can hide behind the mask. Mm. But fundamentally, the masks reveal who we really are. That's it is right. the mask that show us and show the world who we really are inside. When we put on a mask, we think we hide behind it, but in truth, it shows who you really are. And uh, so you have to choose your mask very carefully. That's right. That's right. Make sure you choose the right mask. Right? And ask yourself which mask you want. And and ask yourself when you see people for Halloween or in general, this year is a little different, of course, but like when they dress up as something, why are they dressing up as that? What does that say about them? Because I always find that to be a lot more fascinating Bro. than the actual mask that they're wearing because they think they're hiding, but in fact, they're That's not. Right. I love that. I yeah. love that. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for 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 joining me today. Uh, thank you for uh, having this conversation, for for this conversation, and for the support, of course, in Chuva Center. Everybody who doesn't know, I didn't introduce him beginning, but Ben is the chief creative officer of the Chuva Center. He's in charge of uh, all the creative efforts that we have, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be back here next Friday. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. Uh, again, check us uh, out on our website, chuvacenter.org, or our Instagram, Chuva Center. Um, like we said, we pop up tonight at 7 uh, Eastern, so join us for that. Uh, the podcast, of course, and uh, the groups that we run all throughout the week, most notably the Chuva Group on Thursdays and the LGBTQI Queer Chuva Group on Mondays. Um, yeah. So, thank you, everyone. See you soon. Thank you, Iggy.